Hey, good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Awesome. Judah was uh, mouthing to me during the announcement about camp. He said, hey, Dad, we broke 50 kids for camp. You should get a mullet. <laughs> Trying to figure out how that works. I don't, I don't have no flow in the back. Bald? I'm already there. These kids, man. How's everybody? Y'all doing good? How many of that song got to you today? All right? Got a little teary-eyed. I know, right? It's a good song. Uh, Cynthia mentioned we want to honor all the moms here today. So thankful for you. And I say this with all sincerity. We could not be here without moms. That is just the straight-up truth. Can I hear an amen? Just good. All the moms like, amen, amen, amen. Uh, so make sure that you get together with mom, take a picture. If she's not here today, take a picture in front of the photo booth and send it to her and tell her happy Mother's Day. And uh, I hope there's some buntinis left for after service so I can get one. I've seen a few of you with multiple on your plate. I'm still going to say the Lord bless you. Let's just go there. All right. All right, I want us to go to the book of John today, John chapter 3. We're in this series right now called Redefined. And some of you are like, oh, this ain't a Mother's Day message. Just watch what's going to happen, okay? Just calm down. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. I'm going to tell you all a couple of mama stories today from my life personally that you're going to enjoy. Some of you, you're going to get some mama ideas from these stories. Uh I'm not going to tell you Cynthia stories about her as a mom, but I'm going to tell you stories about my mama. And so Cynthia's a living story. What you talking about? Don't get all worked up on me. John chapter 3, verse 1 says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious... Let's try that again. <laughs> there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader. Try saying that real fast, okay? who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And every mom said, no, thank you. <laughs> Done it once. We're not doing that again. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all the moms who are with us today, all our moms that are all over. I just pray they know that they are blessed. I pray, Father, that as children, we will always honor our moms all the different kinds of moms, those who have filled the gaps, those who have raised us, those who have pointed us in the right direction. Father, I just pray today that as we share this message today, that it speaks to our souls, speaks to our hearts, and helps us to see your blessing, your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to start with a mama story for you. Uh, so I shared a room with my older brother. Anybody in here shared a room with a sibling? Fantastic. It was just fantastic to share that room. And uh, my older brother was about a year and a half older than me. And uh, we did a decent job of keeping our room clean. Um, but my mom was very strict about cleaning our room. Come on, how many moms? You're on top of that. Clean your room, clean your room. Some of you like, I just gave up. He waited and closed the door. My mom didn't give up and closed the door, she kept it alive. And the hard part was where our bedroom was, she had to pass our bedroom to get to her bedroom. 
This wasn't that whole upstairs situation like my kids have where we can't see their rooms unless we go up there. And I just want you to know, Cynthia and I are at the stage of life that we're not going up there. Just not. I like the stairs that go down. Can I get an amen? Those are my kind of stairs. And so uh, their rooms can be their rooms. And so, but I didn't have that option growing up. Our rooms always had to be clean. And uh, we would try to disguise the room. And so if you're a young person in here, you know what I'm talking about. There's a great option to make the room look clean by putting what? Everything under the bed. Don't even lean over. I ain't got that much effort. Just kick it under the bed and then throw it in the closet. But like, not like right in the front of the closet, like in the back, like in the corner where, where they're not going to look in there. And, and parents, please don't go off on your kids today about this because you did the same. This is a spiritual gift that comes naturally to every child. Am I right? Like, don't act like you are all clean and you never made a mess before. You were hiding it too. And so your kid got it from you. But my mom, she, she just, she was always on top of it. And uh, my mom was so good about keeping things neat. Like, she would fold our clothes and she would just come and place it on our bed. And it was our job to go from the bed and put it into the dresser. That's a pretty good setup. But like most kids, those clothes never made it into the dresser. Am I right? Come on. How many of y'all got that kid too? Amen. All right. See, we're all in this boat, okay? And so everything's going great. My brother and I go to school one day. We got everything kicked under the bed. We go to school. We come home that day, and the door was closed. And I knew then we have a problem because the door is never closed. Like, my parents, like, they didn't do the close-the-door thing. You become a teenager, you want privacy, go find somewhere else. You're not closing the door. I mean, I'm just telling you. And this may offend your parenting style, but I think I did. my parents did all right with me. I think so, okay? And so we get home from school, and the door is closed, and I'm a little nervous about what we're about to find. At first, my thought was all our stuff is gone. You know, because as a parent, if you can't get your kids to do what you want them to do, you just threaten them with throwing them out. Yeah. Like, that, and that's a terrible thing to do, by the way, and don't do it, okay? But, but that's like the, the, the go-to card for a parent, all right? And so we just assumed we were going to open the door and everything was going to be gone. And oh, no, that was not the case. When we opened the door, the room was ransacked. Like, just clothes everywhere. There, were, there was underwear hanging from the fan blade. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. It was just clothes everywhere. And it's almost like my mom was timing it out, waiting for us. You know, like how people like just wait in the dark, and then once you arrive, they click the light on. And she just shows up out of nowhere, and she says, now clean it up. It was so bad. And we had to clean the room. And you would think that we learned a lesson from that. And guess what? We didn't. And she always threatened to do that again, and she never did. But... um. Who knows? She still comes to the house. Maybe she'll do that to us. <laughs> Maybe not. I got one more story I want to tell you. Uh, so, uh, and Cynthia absolutely loves this story. I was dating a girl my senior year of high school. She loves it. Trust me, it's not what you think. She loves this story. And so um, I wanted this girl to meet my parents because I really liked her. And so I asked her to come to church with me on a Sunday because I figured if we were going to get mom to like her, bring her to church. Amen? I mean, I'm just being strategic here. You know what I'm saying? Mom loves the Lord. If I get her loving the Lord, then everything's going to work out. And so my family was always the family that cooked dinner on Sundays. And it was always roast. Come on, somebody. Roast gravy and rice with potatoes and corn and the little breads, all this stuff. And there were always people at our house eating after church on Sundays. I didn't know people, like just people showing up, coming and eating. We just had a feast every single Sunday. And so so I figured it was safe bringing her to church, I mean, to my parents' house that Sunday after church. And so um, we show up there after church, and we walk through the door, and I go to introduce her to my mom. And instead of my mom greeting her, saying, hello, my name is Carol, it's nice to meet you, that was not the words that came out of her mouth. My mama said, you see this? I don't like it, and I'm praying that it comes to an end. And it came to an end. 
And now you know why Cynthia loves that story. <laughs> Came to an end. I love my mama. Uh, my family is serving Jesus today because my mama was born again. My mom gave her life to Jesus, and after that, it was just one after another that gave their life to Jesus. And so when I look at what the Lord has done in my life personally, I have to go back and see that it started with my mom. And thank you, Jesus, that mom serves you. I remember hearing my mom praying prayers for me, for my brothers. I'm talking about calling down heaven. Every time I hear that song, Talking to Jesus, y'all know which one I'm talking about? I, it's like, man, I live that. That was our story, man. And so I'm thankful that my mom was saved, that my mom was born again. And so I want to use that today to talk to you in the second part of this series, Redefine. I want to define again. This is what we're working on doing, defining some truths that need to be passed on from generation to generation. And I want you to know, moms, that you give birth to the next generation. I want you to know that you give birth to the next generation. In fact, no one touched God or saw God until Mary had Jesus. And the first person that got to touch God and live was a woman. Come on, I'm preaching to the ladies now. Think about that. God would trust you with the next generation. And all of us have been born. Every one of us have been born. But Jesus tells us in John 3 that we must be, what, born again. You may have heard it like this. You got to get saved. How many of y'all heard it like that? You need to get saved. Or, or you need to ask Jesus into your heart. Or we can polish it up. You need to accept Christ. There's all these different ways that we say it. And sometimes it loses meaning from generation to generation because we just want everybody to be saved. We want everyone to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And sometimes uh, in our attempt to do all of this, it can lose the meaning of what it truly means to be born again. And I really like the, the word born again. I really do. Now, it can, be, it can sound a little uncomfortable, but I like born again because it is this idea of something that was alive, that you and I were born. But God says, hey, you were born in the flesh. Now I want you to be born in the spirit, that there's still more life that he wants to give to us. And so I want to tell you another mom story. Uh, I may have told this one before. One of the rules my parents had for my brother and I, we lived on family land. And all of my aunts and uncles and cousins lived up and down the road. But there was always one rule when it came to any day and every day. It was never leave the yard without permission. That's just how we rolled. And for those of you who live in a cell phone age, we didn't have cell phones. We had the long 25-foot cord that you stretch from one end of the house. How many of y'all had that cord? You know what I'm saying? Hey, go get the phone for me. And you just like trailing through the house with that. We had that Harvest Gold one. It was harvest gold. Yeah, man. And so the rule was don't leave the yard without permission. And my older brother Jason and I, uh, one day we just left the yard without asking. And that was so foolish of us because we knew the consequences. And, and, and honestly, we were just not thinking. This was not a rebellious moment. This was a what in the world you're not thinking moment. And we left the yard, and uh, we were up at my cousin's house at the front. We called it the front by the main road, and we were playing football in the front yard at my aunt's house. And um, we were just having a good time, and my mom shows up, and she did not show up empty-handed. Now, before I tell you the rest of it, some of you might get a little worked up, but I just want to go ahead and lay a precedence. I was one of them kids that were spanked growing up. Hold on, hold on. We didn't call it spanking. That was tame. We were whipped, whipped, whipped. And uh, my mom showed up with a, a fly swatter. The handle was white. The swatter part was orange. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it was probably eighth of a mile to our house. And she walked us down the road and just trading licks from one cheek to the other, all the way home. And we never left the yard without permission after that. 
just straight up disobeyed our parents. In fact, I mean, call it what you want. We were just a couple little sinners. I mean, just straight up. And mom just tore us up real good. And we didn't leave the yard since. Some of you right now are just twitching because like, how can you do that to your kid? You did not raise me. And if you did, you would sit there saying the same thing that I tell my kid. I didn't whip you enough, man. I love my kids, but there's one on the front row that could use some more. <laughs> and it ain't Ella Pearl. <laughs> I didn't say who it was. Maybe a friend on the front row that could use some too. Anyway, let's go to the sermon. Let's go to the sermon. All right, all right. So if we're going to redefine salvation, we got to we got to talk about sin, okay? And sin is one of those topics. Um, yeah, let's just say it that way. It's one of those topics. And I think it's, uh, it's a messy topic because all of us do it, but none of us want to be known for doing it. But we all do it. Am I right? And because everyone does it, we diminish it. Because everybody sins. Am I right? Like, look at your neighbor and say, I know you sin. No, you do. A little sinner, you. But because everyone does it, we really do diminish the severity of it. And um, I want to define sin to you this morning. And some of y'all are like, you're doing this on Mother's Day? Listen, we're doing this on Mother's Day, okay? My mom's at home, amen, and watching this online right now, I promise you. To sin is to do something that displeases God. Or you could say it like this. It means to miss the mark. Another way to say it, uh, sin is to go astray. It's to, to cross a boundary. You know how people these days are saying, hey, you got to set up some boundaries. Set up. We're setting up boundaries on the other side of the boundary of sin even. Yeah. It also means to swerve or drift from a straight line. It means to bend or pervert or deliberately do wrong, even though you know what is right. Like when we left the yard that day, <laughs> that's just wrong, man. We knew it. When we chose not to clean the room, that's just wrong. And I know every kid does it, but it's still wrong. And there were consequences for it. And here's the thing about sin. No one had to teach you how to do it. Like this, this is the reality. No one has to teach us how to sin. It just comes naturally to us. And I don't know why we're so surprised when our babies, they begin to grow into toddlers. I have no clue why we're so surprised that they do what they do. Because we did what they did. And some of you I've met, and I can picture you as a child. I guarantee you, your mama prayed some prayers for you. And still praying some prayers for you. Amen? While you pray prayers for your own kids. But sin, to sin, it comes naturally to us. And this is important to know because we're all born into sin. We're born into it. It comes natural and we all have a tendency for self-centered living. You don't believe me? Have a child. They take over. Am I right? They take over your schedule. More importantly, they take over your sleep. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And those are the moments where you already know, okay, when this one grows up, I can see where we're going here. Maybe I should get one of them fly swatters Miss Carol had. You might want to. Okay, anyway, at least you can kill the bugs on the patio. All right. When you were born, when a child is born, there is the appearance of an innocent child, no doubt about it. But in that innocence that that child appears to have, there is already a sinful nature in that child. Already. Like none of us needed someone to teach us how to lie. None of us. So you know the whole line that parents use? Where did you learn that from? It comes naturally. Now, just because it comes naturally, that doesn't put us in the place to say, well, if it comes naturally, you have to excuse it. I would say this. If it comes naturally, we've got to find a way to be forgiven so it can be made right. But as long as we're trying to do it in and of our flesh and in, of all, in and of our own personalities, we cannot overcome the power of sin because it's been here a long time before you. And by the way, it's going to be here a long time after you. 
we sang the blessing this morning. Lord, bless them kids that are to come. My grandkids and my great-grandkids and all them kids too and other people at the playground. Bless all them. I just need you to know they are going to sin. They are. And you say, how do you know that, Pastor Wade? Because you did it. You sin, your husband sin, your kids sin, everybody sin. What in the world? Everybody's going crazy. Yes. True statement. The result of a sinful nature is committing sin. And it seems like there's been this shift away from talking about sin because we don't want to offend anyone. There are some things that are going on in our culture, y'all, that's just straight up sin that we're trying to gloss over it. We're trying to pretend like it's love. We're trying to pretend like it's just people. It's just good things. It is sin. Okay? It is sin. And it doesn't take away the severity of something just because it becomes the popular thing to do. And it doesn't take away the severity of it just because it's the natural thing to do. It doesn't take away the severity of sin because everyone is doing it. My, my, my parents used to have this line, well, if everyone jumps off the bridge, are you going to jump off the bridge too? Y'all remember that? And then you get old enough and you make that sarcastic comment, well, it depends on what bridge. I remember the first time going down on the Wakulla River, we were kayaking. And there's the bridge, what is that, Highway 98 that goes right over the Wakulla River. And there was this old lady. She was probably in her 80s. And she, she walks out and she gets on the reel of the bridge. And I'm like, what is she about to do? There's the big sign right there, no jumping from bridge. She jumped. She jumped in the bridge. And some of y'all are like, that's not a sin. Anyway, it is. Because of our sinful nature, we can be offensive. Because of our sinful nature, we can be offended. Think about this. Sin is the result of a self-centered life rather than a God-centered life. I'm trying to teach you some things here this morning, okay? And the reality that, that we've got to face is this. Sin separates us from God. And it's not that God runs off. It's that we run off. Because a lot of us, if you, we really told the stories of our childhood, there were things that we did and we had to hide it from our parents. Am I right? We did. We did, we did it and we had to hide it to act like it doesn't happen. Fast forward about 25 years later and you had the Christmas parties and everything. And everyone starts telling the story. And you acting like your parents never heard this before. I remember we did this at one of my family Christmas party, And we were like, Dad, you never knew anything about it. And he laughed at us. He's like, I knew. I was just letting you think you got away with it. And then he says, you remember that one time where I got on you and I grounded you for this thing and you thought it was a big deal? Oh, that was for that thing. <laughs> My parents were strategic, man. They didn't play, man. Sin separates us from God. It literally grieves God. I want you all to hear this. It grieves God. It brings guilt on us. When we sin, even if it's something that is not major, it does. It brings guilt upon us. And it might be little guilt, but you add it up, add it up, add it up, and it's heavy guilt after a while. Sin holds us captive. It corrupts us, and it condemns us. It tells us things like this. Who do you think you are? You want to call yourself Christian. Oh, you're going to go to church on Mother's Day. Try to act like mama sees the good side of you. This is what sin does to us. It condemns, it corrupts, it messes with us. And the reality is this, is that sin has a price tag. In fact, the book of Romans tells us that the wages of sin is what? Is death. But why do we say it's not a big deal when the wages of sin is actually death? So here's the reality. Every one of us have to pay for our sins. But there isn't enough right that you can do to make up for all the wrongdoing that you have done. I want to say that again. There's not enough right that you can do to make up for all the wrongdoing that you have done. 
And sometimes we believe this is how I have to fix my life by trying to overdo it by doing everything right and show everybody how right we are to try to make up for all the wrong things that we've done in our past. Here's the reality. The price tag is too great for each of us to pay. Cannot afford it. And this is where it becomes important because there are, there are generations that believe that the faith of their mother will take care of them. That mama's relationship with God is going to take care of them. And I thank God for praying mamas and saved mamas and Holy Ghost filled mamas. But mama is praying that her son and her daughter is going to come to know Jesus. In fact, I want to say this to everyone here today. The truest desire, the deepest desire that a mom has that she doesn't even know that she has is that she desires that her son or daughter will know Jesus. I'm serious. That is the deepest desire of a mother that her son or daughter will be born again. When Cynthia and I were talking about it this week, because I asked her, I was like, babe, do you think that's the real desire of a mother? And she was like, no doubt about it. Because I cannot stand the thought that I won't get to spend an eternity with my kids. Come on, somebody. This is why I felt such a need to talk about this today, because I believe God is still saving people. Amen. I believe he is still forgiving sins. And I want to ask this question. Why in the world would we try to pay for our own sins when we cannot afford it? We used to sing a song when I was a kid in church. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. I needed someone to pay for it because I couldn't afford it. Jesus is the one to pay for our sins. In fact, a lot of people turn towards religion to try to clean up their life. And all religion will do is tell you more and more how wrong you are. In fact, religion will just make you feel more and more guilty for what you have already done, but it doesn't save you. It doesn't forgive you. It just keeps showing you this is how you're going to be wrong. If you do this, you're going to be wrong. If you do this, you're going to be wrong. And it continues to do it over and over. And we know, hey, there's these things called the Ten Commandments. And I want you to know, every person in here has broken one of the Ten Commandments in their life. Every one of us. Even the most religious, even the preacher has broken one of the Ten Commandments. Probably two or three of them. Some of y'all like, man, maybe four or five. Some of y'all got about eight of them. It tells us how much we need help. And God knew that we were never going to pull it off. He knew that there was not enough religious systems that you and I could put together, good programs, good little steps that we can take, all the practical ideas that we come up with to try to clean it up, to try to live our best life. There was no way to be able to do it because sin, the price of sin was just too great to pay. And anybody who's ever been in debt, you know how it goes. You make a payment, but you're still in debt. You make a big payment and you're still in debt because it starts charging interest. And guilt is like interest. It just multiplies. Make a payment and the guilt's still there. Do a good thing and the guilt's still there for the wrong thing that you did. So I got to do another right thing. And the guilt is still there. And we're trying to pay the price for our sins. And I've heard people say, man, I hate to hear a preacher tell people they're going to go to hell. And I want you to know God never wanted to send anybody to hell ever. But hell is a real place, y'all. But I want you to hear this. Hell is the place that people go to pay for their own sins. That's what it is. It's the place that people go to pay for their own sins. And just like a mom does, God's like, I got you covered. I watch Cynthia do this all the time. Lately, especially, it is ramping up. Judah's graduating and moving out in the fall. Elijah's moving out in the fall. And there are different things that they want. And I hear her saying, how'd you know I wasn't going to pay for that? And I'm just the innocent husband just sitting there like, she'll say that. And I'm like, we need to talk. We're paying for what? How much? We need to talk. 
She just wants to take care of her kids. And Father God knew we couldn't afford it. So he said, let me help them out. I will pay the price for your sins so that you can be set free, forgiven, and live the life that I have intended for you to live. This is why we must be born again. You were born from your mama. Thank God for mama. But now we got to be born of the Holy Spirit. And to be born again means my spirit has been birthed. And I am now birthed into a spiritual life. And now I can walk in the goodness and the favor of God. Instead of walking in the condemnation and guilt of my own sins. Hey, I still remember the past, but the past is no longer counted against me. The debt has been paid in full, and I'm not sitting here strategizing how I'm going to make up for it. Now I'm just trying to figure out how I take my next step into what God's got for me because I am forgiven. Amen? I am forgiven. And this is the power of salvation. But so many people settle for religion. They would rather sound religious and look religious than live redeemed. And what does religion do? It puts you in the cycle of paying for your sins. Think about this. People that aren't involved in church that don't go all the time when they come to church, it's hard for them to be there because they feel the weight of what they've been doing and what they know they should do. And they stand there and no matter how welcoming or how good the song is or whatever, they got to get through that to actually enjoy being there, I know. Because the guilt is telling you, you're not good enough. Who you think you are showing up in church like this? They knew all that you did. That's what this does to us. And so religion puts you in this place of putting up a front to make you appear like you got it together. And you can only keep that appearance for so long, and it is exhausting. Amen? It is so exhausting. Religion makes you believe that you can earn right standing with God by being better. And all of the rage right now is about being the best you, the better you. And we're, we're, we're reading books. We're looking at all these influencers online and learning all these things to become, quote, unquote, better people. And I think this is our attempt to try to remove guilt, to try to remove all the consequences of our sin. And we just can't get influenced enough by a TikTok. We can't just we can't read enough of those 10 steps to healthy and happy living. We just can't get enough of it. And so we keep reading it, keep reading it. And we're just running ourselves like a squirrel in one of them little cages. You know what I'm saying? Just trying. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going nowhere. Yeah. but we look good running yeah. Yeah. and that's what religion makes you feel like and can I tell you God never wanted to do religion yeah. ever he didn't want to do religion he always wanted to be a father to us which means he wanted a relationship with us and we know that we hear it all it's not about rules it's a relationship well when do we actually live in the relationship with God when are we going to truly embrace this relationship that we have with God and truly see that our Father has paid for it? He has covered it through the blood of Jesus, all of the sin. He's paid for it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way. Say all of us. Look at your neighbor and say you too. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead it is only by God's grace that you have been saved just like you had nothing to do when you were born you had nothing to do with it you had nothing to do with it nothing for you to be made right with God he had to do it amen I like it. 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages from generation to generation, generation to generation. We sang it earlier. So God can point to us all in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Do you hear how they're describing God? The incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. The wealth of it. That means there's a lot of it that is towards us. Can y'all believe that? As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you got your act together. God saved you by his grace when you finally stop doing that thing. I'm messing with you today. God saved you by his grace when you what? Believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It's a gift from God when Cynthia says, I'm going to pay for it. It's a gift from mama. And there ain't nothing I can do about it. And ain't nothing them kids can do about it. If mama wants to pay, mama's going to pay. Anyway. (laughs) Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. I want that to sit on us. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that verse. I love all of those verses. And we can't take credit for our salvation. You can't take credit for who you are today. It's only by the grace of God that you are who you are. And anyone that likes to boast about their spirituality, God be with you, man. Because you couldn't be all that without him. And to brag and act like you got it all together, it works against with the very work that he's trying to do in your life. Amen? 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 Go on, that's good. So here's the reality. Only Jesus can save you from your sins. And he paid the price on the cross for our sins. And you've seen the different movies that depict the crucifixion of Jesus and how gruesome it was. I remember watching The Passion of the Christ. Y'all saw that one? That is intense. And they say it's pretty close to the actual crucifixion. And when you see that, I remember watching it the first time and I, I just wept. Because he didn't deserve it. That was my sin that did that. That was our sins. So why did he do it? And here's the motivation. And I want y'all to hear this today. The motivation that he had to pay for your sins, to forgive you instead of condemn you, was his love. We didn't deserve it. There was absolutely nothing that we did, can do, will do, promise to do. You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I promise you, if you help me with this, I will take my family on a missions trip to Africa and we will feed all the starving children. I promise you, Lord, I promise you. And we won't take a picture and put it on Facebook. I promise you, we will go into it. Lord, if you give me an A on this exam, because I need 103 points on this. I'm telling you, Lord, if you do it, not only will I go to summer camp with the youth group at church, but I will pick up trash in the dorms after camp is over. I will wash the bus if you can get me 103 points on this exam. Come on, it's happening right now. College students last week praying like they never prayed before in their life. There are high school students right now getting spiritual. Come on. We've done it too. This love that God has... There's nothing we can do to earn it. He gives it freely. And all he did was pay the price for our sins so that we would not be separated 
from him. I've heard people say stuff like this. I'll do anything to have them back. I'll do anything to be with them. I will do anything. Give them an idea. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, that's just too much. He did everything. And this is the good news. This is the gospel right here. That anyone can be saved from the, par- the price tag and punishment of our sins by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Right there. Anyone. Anyone. And the blood that he shed on the cross, watch this, it covers all of our wrongdoing, every bit of it. Even the stuff we hid in the closet, even the stuff that we pushed under the bed in our lives. The blood that was shed on the cross covers all of it. And because of what he has done, we can be in right standing before God. This is what that means. I can stand before God. And just like we sang today, he takes me just as I am. I don't have to polish it to be accepted. Come on, somebody. He already saw it. He already saw me commit the sin. He already saw all of it. He sees everything. He sees where you're at. He sees what you're doing. He sees where you're hurting. He sees it. I'm telling you, he sees it. But if you come to him, he'll forgive it. He'll welcome you in. He'll pull up a chair at his table and he'll say, have a seat. Sit with us. You don't have to sit at the other table with all the other people. You can come sit at this table with me. I saved you a seat. I've been waiting for you. this is what it means that we can be justified it's just as if I'd never done it and you and I we don't know how to operate with that because we got these things called grudges we got these things called memories and so we remember how they hurt us and we will never ever let them do that to us again now we might be nice about it but we still got our strategy but the forgiveness that God gives it's like we have never ever done it there, there's this one company they do um, like whenever there's a leak in the house and mold damage and everything, Surf Pro. I'm, I'm going to give them a shout out today, Surf Pro. And this is their tagline, like it never happened. I love that because that, my friends, is the gospel. It's like it never happened because of all that happened with Jesus. And we, can't, we don't have to carry the guilt. You don't have to carry the guilt around to make people see that you're really legit. You don't have to carry all of the baggage around to show how valuable you were because of everything that you came from. Listen, the Father in heaven paid the price to cover all of that stuff. And now you got a seat at the table. And because you belong to Him, there is so much value because He went to the cross for you. He said, you were worth it. I'll die for you. Can you believe that Jesus would die? For your sins. Can you believe that he would die for your sins and take your pain, take your punishment? And he would do that for you. That's the kind of person that you can trust as a savior. He has the grace, but we must put our faith in him. There's a lot of sin in the world today. Would y'all agree? But the big sin isn't what you think it is. We could come up with all the horror stories of things that we have seen on the news and say, oh my God, that is the worst sin ever. But Jesus said this in John 16, 9. The world's sin is unbelief in me. And I want you to know, that's not doubting him. That's just choosing not to turn to him. That's knowing that there is payment for sins and say, no, I don't want you to pay for it. You ever had that little debacle at lunch? Oh, I'm going to buy your lunch. No, no, I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to get it. And somebody's got to surrender at some point. You know what usually say? Okay, if you get it this time, I'll get it next time. And he says, I got it all the time. I got you covered. There are people in this room even, people in our families, people in the world, people that we work with, 
that don't know Jesus. And some people are literally rejecting God. Literally rejecting God. And none of us like to be rejected, am I right? It's the worst feeling. But people are rejecting God in our world today. And that's a scary life. See, when Jesus showed up, he didn't come threatening people with hell. As some preachers have portrayed. He didn't come. His first message wasn't repent or you're going to go to hell. His first message sounded like this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change. Change the way you think. Change the way you live. Because what I got for you is better than what you can ever come with, come up with for yourself. He didn't come to condemn people for sins. He came to save people from sins. He has a better life for you than what you've been thinking. So to wrap this up today, getting saved is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. And I really believe this is what it's been reduced to. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And it's not the sorry that God's looking for. It's the surrender. Surrendering your life to him so that you can receive new life from him. Many people get saved. They pray a prayer, but they live the same life. Salvation is the miracle that changes your life. That's why it's called born again. So how can I be born again? Number one, you got to admit you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's where it starts. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And we're established. We're all sinners in here. Am I right? We did. There's nobody in here that could sit here and act like they're not a sinner. Yeah, you are. And chances are, before the day's over, you'll get another one under your belt. You got to admit it. I'm a sinner. Number two, you got to believe that Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe it, Jesus. I believe it. Believing takes a choice. It makes it's a decision. You got to choose to believe that. And then number three, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. I admit it. I'm a sinner. I believe that what Jesus did for me paid the price for my sins. And I confess, Jesus, you're running the show now. I'm following you. When I put this message together, because I know it's kind of conflicting. Like, Pastor Wade, this is Mother's Day. Why are you preaching this on Mother's Day? Because this is what your mama prays for you. And as you as a mama, this is what you pray for your children. And there's a lot of sons and daughters in here that are serving God because of mama's prayers because of grandma's prayers. And there are sons and daughters sitting in here that will serve God because of your prayers. But there's also people in here that are rejecting God. It's not that you don't know who he is and know that he's good. It's just that you're choosing to do this your way. Rewriting the rules. Redefining how salvation works for you. Customizing it to make it fit your preference, your desires. Today, on this Mother's Day, today is the day not to say I'm sorry, but today is the day to surrender your life completely to Christ. And even though mom will be happy about it, this isn't for mama. This is for you. This isn't about mama's faith. This is about your faith told you earlier, my mom was the first person in my family to give her life to the Lord. Changed everything in our family. And I can remember her saying over and over, all I want for my boys, she has four sons, all I want for my boys is that they serve the Lord with their life. And they would pray it. 
They would pray it. They would pray it. They would say it. They would pray it. And then they would bring us to church. They would send us to camp. They would do all the things to make sure we serve the Lord. And God answered mama's prayers. And not only did God answer mama's prayers, but God's answering our prayers. May his favor be upon you for a thousand generations on your children and their children. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, today, we're so thankful that you blessed us with moms. Because the way they live their lives looks a lot like you. The way they sacrifice, the way they love and keep loving, God, is a lot like you. Father, today as we end this message, I know there are people that are in this room that are watching online, even friends and family that we know that do not know you as their Savior. And we've heard the good news today. And Father, we believe the good news still preaches. It still works. The gospel is still powerful. still leads to salvation. And if you're here today and you're away from God, Maybe you grew up in church, but you got away. You drifted. Maybe you have no church background. You're not where you need to be with the Lord today. Today is the day of salvation for you. God wanted you here today for this moment right here. Because this is the day where everything in your life can change. And I want to lead you in a prayer that we pray here every Sunday. And I want us to pray this prayer out loud. So many of us, we know the routine, but today doesn't have to be routine for you. Today can be the day, the day of salvation for you, the day that you are truly born again. Repeat this prayer after me out loud. Mean it with your heart. Say, Dear Lord, I confess to you today, I admit it, I'm a sinner, I've done wrong. And I need you to forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross to pay the price for the wrong that I have done. You took my punishment so that I can be forgiven. So I surrender my life to you today. I put my faith and trust in you as my Savior. And I confess now that you are the Lord of my life. I will follow you. I will obey you. I will let you change me into who you want me to be. I make this decision now. I will live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.